Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. used to be a sheriff's deputy in Colorado. I think it was a Tuesday night. My buddy tried to make a traffic stop on a car that didn't have a taillight, and for whatever reason, it like darked out and went into a neighborhood. So I ended up getting in a pursuit with him. We ended up blowing through a backyard and getting into a neighborhood, and I see him like waving at me out the window. I'm like, all right, that's weird. Well, then we make another corner. I'm giving directions on where he's at. And then he sticks his hand back out again. But this time it's not just his hand. He's got a gun in his hand. And he cranks one shot into the air. Shot fired, shot fired. Fired at my patrol car. He's definitely shooting at me. Um, instead of it just being up in the air, I mean, he's out the window pointing it back towards me. The sixth shot that he shot at me. Um, which actually is the last round in his magazine. Shoots right through the back window. Um, the bullet 45 caliber goes through the front windshield of my patrol car, rolls up my dash, and flies over my shoulder and bounces off the plexiglass. All I had was a gunshot, glass shatters, and like I can feel pain in my face. The only friend of mine that was in the military stops. He's the last one in the pursuit, so he stops to check on me. He comes over and he grabs me by the shoulder and he goes, Sanchez, look at me. And I looked at him and he shined his flashlight in my face. Then he grabbed me by my external vest and he starts shaking me. He's like, you're not shot. And I'm like, oh, uh, get in the car, let's go. <laughs> Jump back in, put it in drive and get back into the pursuit. I guess luckily, my partners ended up hitting, ramming, pitting the pickup truck threw it into some rocks and actually broke both of the axles off the pickup. Um, and he takes off into the neighborhood and he ends up getting caught inside of somebody's garage like two, three hours later. I got out of my truck, I turned around and I looked back at the driver's door and I could see the bullet on the, the floorboard at my feet. The next like conscious thought I had is I could hear Hillsong United's um, Child of God where it talks about like, you don't have to be captivated by fear. Um, and that just, that stuck with me so much because that was one of the biggest things up until that point that I had was like, you know, just like every cop, I may not come home tonight. Weirdly enough, that night, uh, Chelsea and I, my wife got into a really big argument. I was very self-centered. I'm very much like, I'm gonna be the one that provides for my family. I'm gonna be the one that like, maybe I'm not there, but I'm gonna bring the money in. You have to take work off to take care of the kids. If the kids are sick, it's your problem, not mine. But that night really, it was a turning point for me. That night I kinda hit that realization of, I'm not just here to provide monetarily to my family. Like up until that point, I had I'm all about me. And then that night happened, and now it's, I'm all about them. <laughs> I'm all about leading them. I'm all about being God's steward for them. No longer, I need to do this for me. <laughs> as weird as that sounds, like a bullet almost killing me allowed me to be the dad that I always wanted to be. I am a child of God, like, I'm here because he's given me the opportunity, you know, the, the job, the, the money. I'm here to be able to just be that good steward, to, to be that, that great leader for my family that they needed, not the person that brings in the money, but the person that's actually here. Every day is precious. It's no longer, I need to be fearful of every day, but I need to be here, that one bullet gave me such freedom to just be a dad again. 
and not be a provider. What is your favorite thing about your dad? Um, that he protects us. That's very sweet. What is your favorite thing about your dad? Um, I like when he stays. I like when he stays with us. We love our dad. <laughs> oh, come on, give him a hand. That's awesome. Uh, well, happy Father's Day, everybody. We're glad that you're here today. My name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here. I love that story. We love the Sanchez family. You know, Josh is a real cop. I was just thinking about the way he tells that story. It's like you're talking about a football game, right? If it was me, I'd be like, I got shot, or I shot at, I'd be just freaking out. But anyway, uh, we love the family. They serve here faithfully. And I love that there are these moments in life where God gets our attention, and uh, sometimes they're, they're, they're scary moments, and they're moments that we would have never wished for, but they're the moment that God uses uh, to speak to us, to show us that He is real, and that He wants something better for us. And so many of you have stories like, like that. Maybe today is that moment where God's going to get your attention. And if, uh, if that's what you need, I hope today is the day. And so we are in a series called Hold Fast. We're walking through 1 Corinthians together. If you have a Bible, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we're going to be here today. We're talking about holding fast to Jesus in a world that sometimes feels like it's sinking. And that's really what we need to do as a church. And this, this letter, uh, 1 Corinthians, was written by a man named Paul to the Corinthian church, uh, which was existing in a place called Corinth. And Corinth was a really depraved, broken city. Uh, in fact, it was so depraved and so broken that uh, in that region, when you would call someone a Corinthian, it would be an insult. It would speak negatively about their character. Oh, that's a Corinthian guy. That's a Corinthian girl. was a negative connotation. And so what was going on was there's all of this depravity and just brokenness happening in the city around the church. And then it was also weeping its way into the church. And so as people looked in at the movement of Christianity, they were asking the question, what's the difference? What's the difference between the church and the world? Because it looks like they're both in and of the same. And so in the church, what Paul's dealing with are these issues. Uh, we talked about disunity. The church is fighting with one another, right? We can go anywhere and see people fighting with one another. What's different about the church, right? They're, they're struggling sexually. There's sexual depravity going on within the church. That We talked about them visiting temple prostitutes. And, and again, they're going, what's different? Um, I wouldn't put past some of you. And so that's why we do grape juice. So... This is something that they're dealing with legitimately. It's a real problem in the church, and they're going, what is the difference? Instead of changing the world, the world was changing the church, and Paul is really calling them to something better, a life of deep maturity, a life where they actually live in faith by the power of the Holy Spirit and live different than the world around them. And so 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15 is where we're picking it up here today. He says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Then he says this, he says, what do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? So basically Paul's like, wait till your father comes home, right? So that's what I've entitled today's message, wait till your father comes home. Because it feels like that sometimes. Some of you guys know that when dad came home, you, don't, you didn't know if you were getting the rod or a spirit of gentleness, right? And Paul's like, I'm going to give you the truth and it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard truth. But, but when I show up, I'm going to be able to see who's really a follower of Jesus and who is not. And so I want to ask a question here. What do you think of when you think of the word Father. Just want to get in touch with your emotions for a moment. I don't know if you can kind of, kind of feel that, but there's, there, there's some different experiences in the room. Some of you, when you think of the word father, you think of grace. You think of uh, someone who is kind. You think of somebody who is caring, someone who is a protector. You think of somebody who is joyful. 
and, and who makes things better, right? You think of someone who is prayerful. Maybe you think of someone who looked like Christ. And for others of you in the room, I would guess many in the room, when I say father, there are mixed reactions, right? Some of you think harsh, or you think uh, not gracious, right? You think, you think someone who is maybe even abusive, or some of you even think non-existent because you never knew your dad or you didn't have a father in your life. And so this is a charged conversation, is this idea of fatherhood, and Paul is speaking to them as a spiritual father. Lots of different experiences, lots of different emotions when we think about this. And I want to speak specifically today to and about the fathers. And for you ladies in the room, don't zone out. Don't zone out because as I talk about fatherhood and and, and manhood, here's the deal. We need you to be an encouragement to us. Like we need you to encourage the best in men in our society to be the men that God has called them to be. Also, you need to be able to to kind of differentiate what a real man is. That's important, especially if you're single, right? Looking for someone to marry is that you need to understand what a man really is. And so I I believe this is for you today. And I I really believe, and as I read the scriptures, that God designed men and women specifically and different. And this is a really important thing is that even in our uh, society today, there's a lot of disagreement about this. But God designed man and woman, we read in Genesis, that he created mankind in his image, male and female, he created them. And so God could have created one, one, one kind of person, right? right? One gender, but he created male and female, right? And the reason I believe that he created male and female is that he, he wanted to place his spirit and his identity and his character in both in unique ways. So I believe that there are unique aspects of the character and person of God that we see differently and beautifully in both men and women. And so God creates man, and then he calls them into fatherhood. And what's happening in this society is that uh, there's a lot of first-generation believers who um, really didn't have a spiritual father in their lives. And many of you know this story. Maybe you are here today, and you're a first-generation believer. Like, you don't have a family that supported you in this. And maybe even for some of you, just by being at church or calling yourself a Christian, you get some flack from your family. But this really is what many of these people were experiencing. They are people who are trying to follow God without a father. And many of them without, not not just a biological father, but also a spiritual father. And they need this influence in their lives. Now, I want to make a statement here today that um, could be a little controversial. And because that's how we roll at ACF. Uh, we like to say things that are, that are true but are sometimes controversial. So here's the statement. I believe today that we live in a world that desperately needs more fathers. I believe, I believe we can say that. And again, this is, in, this is in no way minimizing mothers or minimizing you single moms who are just killing it right now, uh, kind of working both parts of that to raise your children. In, in any way, it's not to negatively speak about that. It's just to say that there is a unique calling that God has given fathers in the world, and we live in a world that in many ways is a fatherless generation. So many people desperately needing a fatherly influence, and yet they do not have it. Here's some statistic in case you just think I'm making stuff up. So uh, 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. And these are heartbreaking. I was reading these this week. Um, 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. So I want you to think about that reality, that there's something going on here. That once again, as children are raised, they need both father and mother as this influence in their lives. And that's just not happening in many ways in our society today. And this need for a father isn't only um, built into humanity, it's built into creation. In fact, I was reading an article this week uh, about this, this instance in Kruger National Park in South Africa with elephants. So I want to read this article for you. This is really interesting. It said, This once endangered species was recovering to the point that the park could no longer support its herd. So they had multiplied, they'd come back, and now there were too many elephants. So they worked with another wildlife refuge to relocate a good number of elephants. 
But a problem arose when the harness used for airlifting the elephants would only accommodate the females and the young. So the supersized bull males were simply too big for the harnesses. So the herd was relocated, leaving the father elephants behind. So here's what happens. As time went on, something peculiar happened to the young male elephants in their new home. Without their father's presence, they began, dis- began displaying very unelephant like behavior, terrorizing other animals, even goring rhinos to death. That's pretty hardcore, right? The rush of extra testosterone without a large male presence was causing them to become violent and overly aggressive. One scientist looked for the key to stopping this delinquent gang, so the decision was to either control it artificially by castrating the young males, which there's, a, there's an option, right? We won't go there. Or go back to basics and find a natural solution. The answer he felt, and in the end the answer was, to reintroduce father elephants to the herd. So even woven into creation is this need for a father. Now, when I talk about fatherhood or I talk about being a man, again, we get all kinds of different perspectives because in our society, we don't have a working definition of what it means to be a man or what it means to be a father. And I would say there's like three different categories, right? There are males, then there are men, and then there are fathers. There are males who are biological males, yet they're not living as men. That there's a calling that God has given uh, males to live as men. And, and that's pretty well lined out in the scriptures. But, so then there are male, uh, males who become men, and then there are men who God then calls into fatherhood, right? This incredible position and opportunity to influence others toward Christ. And yet, again, th- we've got this, this confusion of like, what does it actually mean to be a man? And so I think this is part of what's wrong, is that we've thrown the whole label out. And we've just said, oh, men and women are the same. But that, again, we don't see that either uh, scientifically or biological. There are real differences and real needs for both in our society. So the, the idea of masculinity, that's controversial in the world today, right? Like, what does it mean to be masculine? And everybody in the room would probably define it differently. Some of you are like, well, it means like how big a tire you got on your Chevy diesel pickup. You got 35s, you got some 37s on there, Right? right? What's the displacement of that engine? It's got a turbo, supercharger, what's on it, right? Or, or, or maybe it means like how fast can you skin out a moose in Alaska? You know, that's what it means to be masculine. Or how big of a ball of dip can you put in your mouth at one time? That's what it means to be a man. This, these are the kind of things that come to mind. And I think, now let's be honest, we've all, we've all seen masculinity go wrong before, right? We, in fact, you men in the room have been part of masculinity go, going wrong. Like anybody here willing to admit today that you have done something really stupid to impress a girl. Like any, any men in the room? Okay, awesome. Five or six honest men in the room. That's great. Um, I'm with you guys. And, and if we're honest, it wasn't to impress the ladies. It was actually to impress the guys. It's never really about the women. It's always to just show our buddies like, yeah, look what I can do. But, and we've done something dumb, right? This is masculinity gone wrong. And then we've also seen in our society where manhood and masculinity has been used to hurt others and to abuse others. And so what's happened is that societally, we've just kind of thrown it all out, and we've said, you can't celebrate being a man, and you definitely shouldn't celebrate masculinity. And yet, once again, God created these things. And do you know that all that God creates is good? And although we distort those things, we don't throw out everything that's distorted. That's, that, that, that would be terrible. We, we want to look and go, how did God design it? And so one of the phrases that's, that's come out uh, really in the past few years is the phrase toxic masculinity. And, and honestly, what I feel like has happened is that we've said any masculinity is toxic masculinity. And this isn't everybody, just a generalization. We've thrown out masculinity. We've said we can't uh, decouple these two words of toxic and masculinity. They've always got to go together. But again, this is not how God designed it. And I want to propose this to you today, that the solution to toxic masculinity isn't no masculinity, it's godly masculinity. Can I get an amen, right? Like, come on. That there is a way to be all that God created you to be. We're just talking to the men today specifically about this. There's a way to be everything that God has created you to be as a man in a way that actually honors others, honors yourself, cares for the world, Paul says, for though you have countless guides in Christ, all these people kind of trying to show you the right way, you don't have many fathers. So Paul's like, I have come to be your spiritual father through the gospel. I, uh, I read a book recently called The Intentional Father 
And I just want to recommend this, by the way. I don't recommend a ton of books from the front, but um, for every man in the room, whether you're a dad or you might be a dad someday, um, this is a really important read on what it means to be a father, maybe even to help unpack some of the, the, the wounds that you have from your father, but I really want to encourage you to read this. But uh, John Tyson, the author, he gives us a definition of really what it means to be a man. And I think, again, this is part of the problem is that we don't agree on what the truth is. And so in our society, there's all of this tension. But as the church, here's the good news. We don't have to make it up. We don't have to just come up with it on our own. We can actually go to the word of God and see what it really means to be a man. Here's how John Tyson describes it. He says, here's my take. A man is an image bearer and son of God entrusted with power and the responsibility to create, cultivate, care, and defend for the glory of God and the good of others. Could we use more of that in our society? More men who stand up and say, it is my call and my responsibility with power to create, cultivate, care, and defend. Now, I know some ladies in the room are like, can't I do those things? Yes, you can. But there is a unique and specific call I think God has given men to do these things. All, like I think of being a defender, right? I love that the kids were like, when my daddy protects me. There's something about that, that as a child, you're like, I love it when my daddy protects Because that's what, as a man, it's like we have a, we have a call to do that. I feel that call as a, as a dad in my family, right? Like, can you imagine if like tonight, uh, I wake up at midnight and somebody's jiggling the handle at the front door, you know? And I'm like, Psst, Amanda. <laughs> There's somebody coming in the door. Wake up. Can you go check that out? Make me a sandwich while you're at it, right? Can you imagine if I, just like right here, how's she doing, you know, curled up in the covers? You guys would be like, you are a weakling, right? Now that's inequality, by the way. Don't tell me that. But again, this is, I think naturally we go, okay, it's okay that there are some differences and that there's some unique callings on both men and women to lead the family. And this is one of those specific ones. And so there is a beauty and an honor and a goodness in living out the unique call of being a man and being a father. And we want to celebrate that as the church. We want to celebrate that as God's people. Well, now Paul, in this text, what he's really preparing them for is uh, the hard truth. And, and I feel like this is kind of one of those things that as a dad is, is part of my role. It's like giving the hard truth, seeing things for what they are, and being willing to, uh, to correct, course correct, when we need to do that as a family. And so, so this is really kind of a hard text because Paul is saying hard things. But he's saying hard things because he loves them. We've all had people say hard things because they want to judge us or because they want power over us, but that's not Paul. Paul is saying hard things because he loves them, because that's what love looks like. Proverbs 3.12 says, For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father the son in whom he delights. So again, if we're going to gauge what the father looks like based on who God the father is, then what we see as God the father is that when he loves his child, he corrects them, right? We know that a God who loves a child, uh, who loves his children, he will correct us, not out of harshness, but because he wants to show love to us. He wants, he wants what's best for us. And so the same is true. Is that if a father loves his children, he's going to tell them the truth and correct them. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So think about that reality that like a faithful friend will cause some wounds sometimes. Like some of you have walked away from friendships with people who really chose to love you by telling you the truth. And it didn't feel like love because you didn't want to hear it. So you walked away. And then what we do is we gravitate towards the enemies that will give us nothing but kisses, is what it's saying. And, and that's easy for any of us to do. Like it's easy for me. To, I can get off this stage today and I know which one of you I can talk to to tell me that my sermon was awesome. There are a few of you and I love you. Thank you so much. Sometimes I just need that. Even if it was terrible, you know, even if I totally missed the mark, you'll be like, Brian, I was the best ever. I'm like, thank you so much. And then some of you will tell me the truth and I, I want to avoid you, right? Because I'd like to go towards the people that will just encourage me. And that's, but that's not love, right? Love also is willing to tell the truth, even when it hurts, even when it's difficult. So here's what I want to do. I want a little exercise for us today. I want you to engage with this. I want you to repeat after me in church today. Say this. I'm here at church to hear the truth, even if it hurts, 
or makes me mad at you because I want what's best for my life. Don't you feel better now? <laughs> no, it's like, and that's fine. You're like, I did it for you, Brian. I didn't do it, didn't do it for me. And that, that, that's fine. But here's the deal. I hope that's the truth. I hope you're here to hear the truth. I hope you want the truth. And again, we talk about this a lot. Like at ACF Church, you may not agree with what the Bible says is the truth. And, and that, that's, that's up to you. But it's my job to share the truth with you. And so what Paul goes on to say is he says, I urge you be imitators of me. Which, uh, that's a pretty bold thing to say. Can we agree? It's pretty bold to be like, hey, just watch and do what I do. Um, and what we know about Paul is that Paul was a human being. Even in his writings, what you start to see is that Paul is a man that's been redeemed by God, but he's still a work in progress. We see Paul talking about his thorn in his flesh, and we don't know exactly what that was, but it's clearly something that he's struggled to trust God with. It's maybe a sin area in his life that he's just wrestling with, and he's like, man, God's grace is sufficient for my weakness. I just have to continue to push forward, even though I can't seem to get this area of my life under control. Now, can we acknowledge that as every man in the room? There's something in your life that you're like, this is my issue, and I'm just struggling to get this under control. It's just a mess, and and yet Paul, just like us, is broken, but he, he tells him, he says, hey, imitate me. Do what I do. Can we agree that that would be a terrifying thing to say? Can we agree that that is a terrifying thing to say? Another statistic I read this week was that 50% of dads, when they had their first child, with the help of their wife, when they had their first child, did not feel ready to be dads. And I would put myself in that 50%. I still remember the moment that we went out to the car with the nurse in the car seat uh, with Cadence, our oldest, and we got in the car and the nurse shut the door and I was like, really? You're just going to send us home with this kid? Like, don't we get a chaperone or something? I was not responsible for a human child yesterday and today I am. Like, I'm supposed to be ready for this? There's no way. But that's how we feel. And so then that, mo- that insecurity moves its way through our lives and so we just resist the idea of people imitating us. Because we know who we are. We know who we are. We know the weaknesses in our lives. Later on, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Here's the deal. Here's what Paul is saying, and, I, and this is what we should say as well. Paul's simply saying, if you see Christ in me, do that. Whenever you see Christ in me, do that. The other stuff, throw it out. And I hope you would hear the same from me today. When you hear Christ in my voice today, do that. Respond to that. Everything else, throw it out. You see, when we see it this way, when we see being a father this way, we don't have to hide our mistakes. I think so many of us struggle with this. We want to hide our mistakes because we think that our children don't see them. Can I just tell you, your children see them, okay? If you didn't know this, and and just think back to when you were a kid. Didn't you know the flaws of your parents? Like, were they hiding anything? No. Like, you could see it plain as day. The only thing you desperately wanted was for them to be honest about it. Does that make sense? So your kids know that you're broken. Your coworkers know that you're broken. Anybody else who you are spiritually parenting or fathering, they know that you're broken. They just desperately want you to be honest about it. I I would bet that any kid in this room would at any day really rather have a parent that is honest than a parent who's always right. Because no parents are always right. So you might as well be honest and open. And then Paul goes on to kind of nail them. So he says this in verse 18, some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you. So he draws out this issue, and this is basically, again, his version of daddy's coming home. So, so buckle up. Buckle up, because I love you, but I'm going to give you the truth. And that's what it means. I, I know the truth will set you free, so I want to give you the truth. So he says, listen, some of you are arrogant. You're acting like I'm not showing up, but guess what? I'm coming. I'm coming. And now what's interesting as I thought about this is um, Paul is really, uh, he, he's really showing that he has an influence in their lives. Like for him to say this, he's appealing to this idea that him showing up physically is going to mean something to them. It's going to be motivating to them, right? 
Like, like for him to show up to the church in Corinth, is gonna, they're going to be like, oh, shh, Paul's coming. This is a big deal. Like, he's going to see us for who we are. What's interesting, if you contrast that with the church today, is that most of us don't give anyone that kind of influence in our lives. In fact, like, like we live in a city with like 40 churches. Imagine if I got up and I'm like, hey, just so you know, coming to your house tonight, I'm showing up and I'm going to tell you the truth about your life. You're going to be like, yeah, we're going to find a new church. Um, we're going to find a church where the pastor doesn't show up to the front door. Like there are plenty of options. And so we're going to go somewhere else, right? And, and this is our tendency because we don't necessarily want to deal with that, be called out like that. But in the first century church for these uh, first century, uh, first time believers without families that are supporting them, for them to become Christians meant that they had to abandon everything in their life. Like, like, they had to give up everything. The cost was great. To call themselves Christians meant they probably lost their jobs. It meant their families probably disowned them. They probably had very little or no money. And so what we believe and what we see in the scriptures is that when you become a Christian, you become grafted into this new family tree. It's like you just become part of this new family. Now, this is your family. And so when Paul, who's like the spiritual father of the family, is like, daddy's coming home, they're listening. At least most of them. Because he says, some of you act like I'm not coming home. Some of you act like this isn't a big deal. Some of you are dealing with this primary issue that's going on in the church, and it's the issue of arrogance. Now, I would say that arrogance is probably the primary issue that men struggle with in the church today as well. So again, we're no different. We struggle with that as well. And he's dealing with this issue of arrogance. Arrogance is saying, you're not the highest authority in my life. I am. Ain't nobody got authority in my life but me. That's arrogance. And we all can stand firmly on that till there's a bullet coming at your face, right? Or until something happens to one of your kids, and then all of a sudden, we start praying. All of a sudden, we start believing that there, there, there's got to be something bigger than me when we realize our weakness. Kind of step down off our pedestal, right? And he's like, some of you guys are up on your little pedestal, and I'm going to be honest with you. You are not the highest authority in your life. Arrogance says, I can be a Christian and do whatever I want. Arrogance says, I can be part of ACF Church and do whatever I want, right? I'm only responsible to me, and yet for them and for us, we are a family. Here's the deal. When you bleed, we bleed. When you hurt, we hurt. When you're not faithful to the call of God in your life, we are not faithful to the call of God in our lives. And so we feel this together, And he goes on, he talks about this in verse 19. He says, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power, for the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. He's like, y'all are just a bunch of talkers. You talk the Christian-y thing, like you know the verses, you know how to look all shiny and happy at church, but like you're not actually doing anything with it. And Paul goes, I will see right through this, because he knows them. He says, I'm going to find out where the truth is, not in talk, but in power. The Christian life is a life of power, friends. We talked a couple weeks ago on Pentecost Sunday about the Holy Spirit and how we are to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. When people look at your life who don't know God, do they see a life of power? That's the invitation. And it's not a power from you. It's a power from God himself. Do you know any friends that are all talk? Right? They talk a big game, but it's like, nope, it's nothing there. Or maybe it's you, you walk into any circle and you start talking like you know everything about a topic, but really you don't. Because we're insecure. We become all talk but no power, but the Christian life is a life of power. I want to give you a few ways to resist this life of arrogance. The first is this, always be ready to hear the truth. So I'll ask you today, when you showed up to church, did you show up ready to hear the truth? Like, are you spiritually and emotionally prepared to hear the truth. Again, we live in a world that we like to choose our own advice. If you don't like the advice that I give you, just Google something else later on today and you can find something that you enjoy more, right? We can always find advice to agree with us. If you open up the Word of God and you don't like what it says, you can just shut it and go find someone else to give you advice. This is the world that we live in. Always be ready to hear the truth, even when it's hard. Because when we're not, it's what keeps us from growing. Last week, Angela talked about that idea of we're we're baby Christians because we're not willing to eat meat, which is to ingest difficult things and allow them to kind of change our lives. It's difficult. 
Always be ready to hear the truth. And now, I think in the church, we, we do struggle with this sometimes. We're not ready. Maybe you didn't come prepared to hear the truth. And a lot of people will leave churches for a lot of different reasons, but I have never heard somebody who told me, Brian, I left that church because they told me the truth. They just, they just told me the truth. I've never heard that. But it happens all the time. Well, what I do hear is, oh, that pastor's judgmental. Or he's just really too harsh, right? Or man, like, like he's just really arrogant, right? Or he's legalistic, or he's too pushy. We throw these terms around. And again, these things do exist, and so I'm not denying that. But we have to know our own hearts and go, was that legalism or was it just a hard truth? Was that pushy or was I just not prepared to hear it? And, and I'll just, I'll, I'll be real. It's hard to separate those things out sometimes in our lives. So I was thinking this week, I was like, what if I could just sit down with ACF Church and just tell you all the truth? Like, what would that look like for me to just be like, here's the truth in some issues? And so since you asked for it a minute ago, you said that like you're here to hear the truth. I thought I'd just give you the truth on a few things that I hear. You guys look really nervous, so I'm just going to be real with you. And, and if you're not a Christian in the room, right, you're just, just know this, this isn't for you. If you're not a Christian, um, you can just look at the Christian that's next to you and be like, busted, right? That's what you used to say when dad would kind of call somebody out, busted. You can say that. Um, don't say it out loud. So I was just thinking for real, here's the beauty of being part of a local church is that I know you guys and you know me. So we, we know each other. We know, I, I hang out with your families. I hang out together. I get emails. I talk to a lot of you. And so I'm just, here's the truth. Here's some things that I see in ACF Church. The truth is, I hear, I hear people all the time criticizing God for not speaking to them and saying that their prayer life is terrible because when they, when they pray, it just feels like nothing happens. And they ask for God to speak into their lives. They're like, God doesn't speak to me. And yet, if you asked them, they would, most of these people would admit that it's been years since they picked up their own Bibles. And they've got 15 Bibles on the shelf, and their shelves look really spiritual at home. And they're crying out, God, speak to me, speak to me. I just wish I could get a word from God. And yet, they never open the Scriptures. Here's the beauty. God is desperately wanting to speak to you. And the way he speaks is often through his word. And if you're not in the word of God, you can't sit around and expect a word from God. Does that make sense? So get in the word of God and, and you might get a word from God. And he might speak to you today. Here's another one. I see some people in our church who are stuck in a place of immaturity because they don't feel like being spiritual. And, and it just, it, they don't feel like, I don't feel like talking to my friend about spiritual things. I don't feel like opening my Bible. I don't feel like going to church more than one or two times a month. I don't feel like being part of, of a small group. I don't feel like sticking around after church and meeting somebody. And so here's the deal. We're waiting to feel it so that we can do it. And what I believe that God often says is that if you just do it, you would start to feel it. That the fruit in my life, I'll be real, like it almost always comes after the obedience. So what if you're just like, okay, this is just, I'm going to do it because it's right. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to trust that God is going to bless doing what's right. Here's the truth. This will step on some toes. I see some of you guys that you come to church every single week. And if you were asked, like, do you have a church home? You'd be like, ACF Church is my church. But here's the deal. You come every week and you drink the coffee. You hang out in the building. You love the ministry. You check your kids into kids' church and you have no desire to both serve or give to ACF. And it's getting awkward. I get it. I get it. It's a hard one. It's a hard one. But, and, and now I've been really honest about this in my life and is that um, God gave me the gift of generosity through my wife. Um, Generosity is not my natural baseline. Like, I don't just see a, a chance to give to a need and go like, here's my wallet. Like, I don't. I find a lot of security in finances. And honestly, it's an idol that I've wrestled with in my life. And so God gave me a generous wife who would give all of our stuff away. And so I've learned to just be like, do it. Just do it. And, and, and I'm, I'm learning. I'm seeing the fruit in all of those things. But I've been on a journey with this. And I get that. But here's the deal. Some of you guys are like, this is my church home. This is my family. Yet you're like, man, I don't want to help pay the mortgage. I don't want to help support the ministries. I don't want to help make these things happen. And I've heard all of the different responses. Oh, tithing is too Old Testament, Brian. You know, like it's too Old Testament, which that's a whole nother sermon. It's not. 
And I've heard people say, well, I can't, I can't trust the leadership of the church, which, man, can I just tell you, if you can't trust the leadership of the church with your finances, you should not trust us with your spiritual uh, life. You should not trust me to speak into your life or uh, our leaders to speak into your children's life if you can't trust the leaders financially. Like, find a church where you can trust the leaders in your life. And I get that this rubs us all, this is probably the most awkward of all these, by the way, so you're doing really good. Um, but it, the reason it's most awkward is because this is the biggest idol in our church. It really is. And the only way to heal from this idol is the gift of generosity. It's the only way to do it. Trust me, we're paying the bills. We're doing fine. This is not a plea for help. God is blessing our church. But he may not be blessing you. And, and the idea of generosity is saying, man, if I'm generous and I'm trusting God with my finances, I can actually invite his blessing on my finances. You ever prayed that God would give you a good job? You ever pray that he would bless your finances, yet you're not blessing him? God's going to wait. He's patient. He's going to wait, and he's going to be willing to allow us to trust him, I think, many times before he blesses that part of our lives. Here's the truth. I think um, as our church has grown, it's become way too easy to take some sort of like vicarious spiritual credit for the fruit of other people's obedience. Uh, So here's an example. So like, Easter was incredible this year. We saw this miraculous move of God. We saw over 100 people get baptized. And some of you here are those people, like we're freaking out, excited that God is working in your life in that way. The question for you, because everybody claps, yay. The question is, did you know any of them? Were you part of any of their journey? Now, it's fine to be like, praise God, he's working through the church, but don't walk away and think you did something if you didn't. That's the important thing. Like, like, we can clap, but unless we're part of somebody's spiritual journey, something that's really unique in our church is that we really invite friends to, to baptize friends. Have you noticed that? And some of you who are from, like, a church background, you're like, isn't that supposed to be the pastor? It's not. It's not my job to live your spiritual life. That's you, right? And so what I love is when it's like somebody's like, hey, I want to get baptized today. And we're like, awesome. Did somebody lead you to the Lord? And they're like, yeah, it was Sarah, you know? It's like, well, find Sarah. Get her up here, you know? And so Sarah's up here baptizing her friend, and they're crying. Oh, you know, it's, it's awesome. It's a great moment when you see God working through the life of an obedient believer, 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 to <laughs> transform somebody else's life. I say lots of words. I'm going to screw it up at some point. But it's just, it's really cool to watch God transform people's lives. Anyway, I got more. Um, If you want more, I'll give you more. But uh, here's the deal. It would break my heart if you walked away from church today feeling like covered in judgment. Um, I feel a responsibility to our church as a spiritual father at ACF to tell the truth. And I I love you guys so much. I really do. Every time, you need to know this. I, I pray Every time I get on this stage, I spend like 10 minutes upstairs and I, I just, I go, I go, God, would you just break my heart for our church? God, would you fill me with love for our church family? So here's my promise to you. I will never preach if I don't feel love for you. Like I won't get on the stage if I don't feel love for you. And so what breaks my heart is that anybody walk away and go, man, there's so much judgment there. No, no, I just love you so much and I hate seeing you hurt yourself. And so like any good father hates seeing their children hurt themselves, I hate that that exists in our church. And so I want something better for us. Some of you weren't ready for that. Anyway, it's hot in here. We'll move on. Uh, Number two, way to resist arrogance is this. Seek to be an example to others. I want you to look for ways to influence. I want you to go like, man, I really want to be an influence. I really want to, to, to be the kind of person that can say, hey, follow my example. Follow me as I follow Christ. I, I want you to lean into that, that sacred calling God has on your life. And so what if you started to look at the people who are watching you and just lead on purpose? Because everyone in the room, especially you men, you have people who are watching you whether you like it or not. So you might as well do it on purpose. This is what it means to embrace and to seek to be an example to others. What if you would just allow yourself to be seen doing good? The Bible talks about that idea, not for our pride, but that we'd be seen doing good so that people would give glory to God. So what if you just grabbed a few people and you're like, hey, um, let's just, a few younger guys, go, go serve at the soup kitchen. We'll go down to Beans da- da- Cafe down in Anchorage. We'll serve down there. What if we, we're going to join a serve team at ACF and we're going to get together and I'm going I'm to just kind of model what it looks like to, to be a servant. This is what it means to be an example to others. 
Remember, once again, it's not perfection that people want. It's authenticity and honesty. You don't have to be perfect to be an example to others. The world desperately needs more fathers. I I had this great opportunity this last year to uh, take a couple younger guys hunting. And uh, if you're new to Alaska and you like to hunt, uh, you know the answer when you ask somebody, hey, where should I go hunting around here? They're always like, "Uh, Nunya Ridge. (laughs) Nunya business, right? Like you figure it out. Get a map and go. So so Alaskans are very hush-hush about where to go for hunting. So I'm like, I didn't know where to go when I first got up here. And some guys started showing me the map and showing me where to go. And so I was able to take some younger guys out hunting. It was such a blast to do that. What a gift, what an opportunity to give some of those skills that my dad gave to me. Some of you here, you know how to change the oil on your car and you know how to change a tire. Can I tell you, there are men in the room here today, they, they, would, they probably wouldn't want to stand up and admit it because they'd feel insecure, but they don't know how to do those things. So what if you start just whatever you know, pass it on. I mean, in the end, what does it matter if it dies with you? Whatever skill, whatever ability you have, what does it matter if it dies with you? Like, pass that on. Seek to be an influence to other people. What if you started going downstairs? What if every guy in the room just walked downstairs? It probably freaked the kids out. But you just walked downstairs and you locked eyes with like a six-year-old. And you said, hey, I'm so glad you're here at church today, man. Did you have fun? There are, listen, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. There are some single moms in the room here today who would, they would, they would begin to weep. If they saw you, just show some interest in their kids. Because these kids are so desperately needing a father in their lives. And you wouldn't think just that would have that much of, a, of an impact on somebody's life. I promise you it does. This goes way beyond your doors of your house. Like father, and, and it, you don't have to be a biological dad to do that. You don't have to have any kids to do that. What if you just showed an interest? Third thing is this, and this is huge. I want you all to remember where your power comes from. There's no better way to fight arrogance in our lives than to remember where all of our power comes from. Power is something that has been abused. It's something, once again, that has a negative connotation. And yet what we know is that God is all-powerful. And he's good. He's good. So power is not bad. It's not something to run from. In fact, it's something that we should wield in a way that honors God and others. But we have to remember where our power comes from. If you are a powerful business leader here today, you've got a thriving business, you've got people that work for you, don't forget where your power comes from. If you're here today and you've got some troops that are following you, some younger men and women who they are looking up to you and you feel a little kind of, you know, skip in your step, kind of walking with some swagger, the best way to kill that swagger is to remember where your power comes from. This is Paul knows. Paul says this, He says, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Not through my own strength, not through my superior intellect, not through my work ethic. Paul says, the reason I'm your father is because of the gospel. It's because of the good news of Jesus. It's because of the victory of Christ over sin and death. And so for every man in the room, here's the deal. If you are struggling today, what you need is more of the gospel. Maybe you're struggling with a place of pride. You walked in here kind of feeling a skip in your, like, like I, I'm my own man, right? And I, I built this life for myself. No, you haven't. You haven't built your, your body as it is. You haven't built your finances like they are, right? Like if you think you're in control of your finances, just can, can we be real? Give it a month. It's not looking good out there. You are far out of control of your finances. Like it's, you might as well trust God with it, right? Like you did not create yourself. You are not a self-made man. You're a God-made man. He created you. And so remember where your power comes from. If you're here today and you are lost in shame because, men, do you know this? You are prone to shame. We're prone to one way or another. Either it's pride and it's like, I can kill the universe, or it's over here and we're like, I hate myself. So you might, might have walked in here today just full of shame. Man, that's not God's best for you. God doesn't want you to walk in shame in any way. If you remember the gospel, it would keep you out of both of these ditches that your power comes from Christ. And so if you are living in shame, then Christ has already had victory over your sin. So walk in freedom. And remember, here's the, here's the thing you need to know, is that you don't have to be perfect. You just have to point people to the one who is. You just have to be able to point people to the one who is. Would you grab your action card here real quick? I just encourage you to find this. You're probably sitting on it. You threw it under your seat or it's in your Bible or something. Just tear this bottom part off. Um, this is what, something we do together every single week. I encourage you not to blow this off just because it's like, it's a simple way just to take a step in church here today. 
But all we do is we text you that we're praying for you and we actually pray for you. So um, I think we all could use some of that. Maybe today uh, you want to begin a relationship with Jesus. Maybe today you're like, I need a better father than my dad. Or maybe you're like, God, I hope that, that he's better than I am a father and he is. So I want you to know there's a perfect father that loves you so much. Maybe today's the day that you just say, okay, I want to join the family. If that's you, I'd I'd encourage you to check that box. We want to get you some resources. Maybe you're here today saying, I want to live a life worth imitating. Because you know there's some things in your life that if people were to imitate them, it would destroy them. They're not good things. And maybe you need some freedom, some prayer for freedom in that area. Maybe today you'd like to become a mentor to others. You know, yeah, I, I need to... I need to start to own this season of life that I'm, I'm to be a mentor. Like, that's my call, not somebody else's. And maybe today you need help with humble confidence. That you can be humble and bold. You can actually be both of those things without falling into either one of those ditches. I'd encourage you to fill this out. Just drop this in the basket by the door as you leave here uh, today. Would you stand up? I want to pray for us and we'll close in worship. Father, we, uh, we just submit to you together here today as our heavenly Father. And God, I just, I can't believe as I've reflected this week that I get to share a title with you. That my kids call me Father and we call you Father. What a high calling you've placed on my life and all of our lives. God, we all fall short and we know it. And so God, we just ask for your forgiveness and your healing in the areas that we fall short. God, would you give us something better to live for? God, I pray we wouldn't simply change our behavior, God, but you would change our minds, that we would see the world different, that we'd see people different. God, I pray for the men in this room that they would not wield their power, their, their, their authority, their masculinity in a way that minimizes or hurts others, but only in ways that are for the good of others in this world. God, that we could show the world that we can celebrate both being men and women, God, that you've created good things that have been distorted and lost by sin. Yeah, God, we also know the story is that you will heal all of these things. So God, I pray you'd start with us. Would you start with my heart, God? Would you heal what's broken and messed up in my heart here today? God, thank you for the church. Thanks that we're in this together. Thank you that we do bleed together, but we also celebrate together. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.